2: This is the Best Hang Podcast featuring Max Kerman, Shane Cunningham, and I am Mike Bierman.
3: Right. Welcome to the Best Hang Podcast
2: podcast i'm like we got max we got shane and we also have the author of the whispers you've been hearing us talk about this for a long time uh, weeks leading up to this and it's an exciting moment for us we're recording this at max's place we have the author ashley audrain Welcome, Ashley. Thank you for being here.
4: Thank you. Thank this you for having be, me. This uh, might
5: be the smartest pod we've ever had, like with a real intellect on, <laughs> on the show. And actually, we when we announced that we were going to have you on mm-hmm. and we were going to do a book club, our listeners were like, they can read these guys. But also- <laughs> we Or start- me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Max. <laughs> I was like looking at you. Um, but then the other day, I was on the street, like just maybe three blocks from here on uh, Court, and someone like was riding on their bike behind me and just yelled at me, like, yo, where's the book club? <laughs> Whispers, what's up? Let's go. And it was like this lady, <laughs> <A> lady. <laughs> yeah, it was a lady, that's kind of it was very really lady with a oh, weird that's so nice. accent. Yeah, I, I just got back. You love voice work every chance you get. <laughs> um, so I know our listeners are very excited. And when I posted on our Kell's account that I loved the book, I had so much feedback about it. Oh, so that's must, so it's nice, so, thank yeah. you. Yeah, uh, the backstory uh with getting to know you is that you and Ash know each other from a previous life mm-hmm. and i kind of was curious about th- how you transitioned from a book publicist to a international best selling author cuz i'd like to do the same You want to be a book publisher? No, just the second part. part. Oh, the second part. The wild success. Yeah.
4: Um, how did it happen? Well, so I so I worked in um, public relations for most of my career, like for eight eight or ten years at in the PR agency world, and then I had a chance to move over to do sort of that same thing um, at Penguin Canada, um, and worked there for a couple years. And the reason I moved over to work at in publishing was because I I love I've always just loved books and reading and writing, Um, and I sort of got a bit sort of, you know, you work in PR for long enough and you sort of get a bit um, you know, tired of it or you're sort of doing all this work for these big brands and I kind of wanted to do There's something that I felt... dummies in PR too. <laughs> <No>. Honestly, <laughs> like I imagine you have to be smarter to be a
5: book publicist and like know how to write because sometimes no. it, we work with a lot of good publicists. Mm-hmm. We've worked with so many dummy publicists who like can't even write a sentence. So like do you have to like pass a written test or something when you work for no, Penguin? No, but I,
4: I was really nervous <laughs> to go work for Penguin because it, wa- it it is a totally different world. Like it's your uh, and you go from working with, you know, like brands and marketing and these big fun silly ideas to an environment that was definitely more serious and more yeah. literary. And I was I was, it was, um, it was like a big transition. But ultimately you're you're sort of doing the same thing. It's the same sort of skill set. Mm-hmm. But I I just I was like a kid in a candy store working at Penguin because you mm-hmm. just go in every day with all the authors and the books and the editors. And I was so excited to be so close to that process, you know, to like learn more about that. Um and I'd always wanted to write. Like I I had always you know, when I was young, I always felt like a writer. I was always writing like when I was in high school, I was always writing like letters to the editor and you like, are. yeah, like in writing for, you know, um, like there was this zine, this, this fun zine in university. And I, I was always looking for ways to write, um, but didn't pursue that. Uh, like, at the level of a novel or something different. I was, I did a lot of um, like night courses at like George Brown or Humber Mm. and was just always trying to stay close to it. But, but working in, in um, publishing was just, it was so cool to be, to be like really immersed in that. And I learned a lot from that experience. I, I actually didn't write much when I was at Penguin, I think because it was, there was this intimidation factor, you know, of like working with you know real writers and real novelists. you feel novelists? a lot of pressure
5: writing emails to people? Because I've I exchanged did, yeah. a few <laughs> emails did. to people in yeah. the book world, and every one of them writes like is a poem or some like you know New Yorker article or something. Yeah. And uh, Even when I've texted you, I feel a lot of pressure texting you. <laughs> no. Yeah, because I'm like, how oh. are texts?
4: They're pretty good, actually. Uh, you have really good text. Really, yeah. Like, but yours
5: are like beautiful paragraphs. Oh, well,
4: thank
5: you. You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm thank interested,
2: you know, because you hear this st- story sometimes where people work in the industry and work with sort of established, whether it's like artists, uh, music, or or, mm. or authors. At uh, how do you? sort of feel oh I can hang at this level like where do you get mm. the confidence to it was it inherent to you like oh I know I'm a good writer or did you have to sort of just try it and be like I think I'm as good as everybody I'm working with
4: no I think I think that was why I didn't write at all when I was working there and so and basically so what happened was I I what I, I read a lot there like you really when you work in publishing you read like an insane amount of books because you have to read the books that you're promoting and the books that are important to your editors that you're working for. And I feel like that was this really interesting sort of different education in itself for writing. Because I think that reading is really the best way to improve your writing or to think more about writing. Um, so I, I was mostly sort of reading, just consuming and thinking and trying to think more like a writer, I think. Um, but then, but how I started writing was, so I went on maternity leave with my son and um, I had planned to just, you know, Do the regular maternity leave and go back to work because I I really loved that job, like loved, loved it. Um, But when he was born, so everything was okay for kind of the first two weeks, and then at around two weeks old, he became really, really sick, and we realized that he had a chronic illness, and he was he had like some pretty complex problems. And so then life like totally changed, like life, you guys know, life already changes after having a kid. But when you have a kid who is so sick and was dealing with these problems, it really was, it was just like very overwhelming and everything really turned then. And we spent like months living at sick kids and hospitals and like all of it it was a lot. And I realized at that time that like, I wasn't going to be able to go back to work. Like that was not part of my reality it was sort of I, there that job has a lot of like late nights and just it, the, the the whole environment i just i felt like i just can't go back and do that anymore um so that was around like i think around 6 when he was about 6 months old and i sort of started to kind of like gain my footing back around that time and we weren't at sick kids so much anymore and i thought Like, I just thought, okay, if I'm if I'm not going to go back to work and everything is just so different and it was so hard, I thought, like, what do I really want to do? I I really just want to be writing like that was the only thing I wanted to do. And I felt at that time that I don't know if you guys felt this becoming parents, too, but for me, there was something so creative about having kids like it, mm-hmm. it it was like the creativity was just like so there on the surface like
5: logistics or what do you mean
4: like I don't all know of it it just i don't what, have kids so yeah. logistically the creativity was actually very hard mm-hmm. i would say that was the problem but it was more
2: it's like inspiration yeah it yes. was like
4: inspiring yes. and sort of, i mean on so many different levels like on one level um i was talking to um just the other day to um, like an actress who is pregnant and she's filming something right now. And she Spill was saying, the name, give us the name. <laughs> I'll tell you after. <laughs> um, and I, and she was saying that she felt um, like now when she's acting, like the emotions are the way she put it was like, the emotions are on her skin and mm-hmm. she can just like mm. pluck them for like, it's all just right there. And like acting became different for her. And, and I, I can so relate to that, like that idea that I don't know. I just felt like, I think there's something about, just how like how emotional that process was how hard motherhood was for me like it was i really it was a really hard time having a having a baby but also a baby that had like the challenges that my son did and it was all just there on the surface and i just really i, had, I felt so compelled to be like exploring that like i felt very like the other reason i just felt so compelled to write i think is because you i felt like you really lose a part of yourself when you become a mm-hmm. mother i think like you really You lose so much of um, not even like who you were, but almost like who you thought you'd be or like, it's just such a life changing thing. And I think that it's almost like a way of kind of like find like holding on to this piece of yourself that you value the most or that you you treasure the most. You know, there there was something about that for me, I think. Um, And also this idea, like, I guess on on like a bigger level, that's and maybe you would maybe you'd relate to this more as a parent, too, is. This idea that like, I feel like as soon as I had a kid, I was, you're just like, whoa, you are somebody's mother. And like, how do you want to show up in the world? You know, like, who do you want to be in this world? And you have this sense of like, I want that kid to have a mom who is like doing exactly the thing she's meant to do and like exactly the thing she loves doing in this life, you know? And so I, Mm -hmm. I felt like motivated on that level. Um, I don't know if that, if that resonates with you guys.
5: Do you see people, so you obviously spend a lot of time in the hospital and you're interacting with people in a much different mm. way. Cause it's less about mm-hmm. me to you. So maybe do you, were you examining people in a deeper way and in a different way instead of just saying, Oh, I saw my doctor. I'm like, I'm not seeing my doctor. I'm seeing my kids doctors. So I'm going to yes. look at that. Like, what is this? You're kind of analyzing it in a completely different way because it's like through the kid. Is that how you mean when it's like a heightened sense of awareness?
4: Total, All of that. I think all of that. And you know, what's so interesting, like, which I hated, is that when you have a child at at like a, like a place like sick kids, which is just the most wonderful, this is, this is going to sound like a criticism, but it's the most (laughs) wonderful place in the world. I, I, I'm, I'm so grateful to sick kids and we're still there all the time and very involved there, but they, when you are, um, especially I think when you have like a baby, they call you mom, they only call you mom. And so everyone just stops using your name. And you, mm. and you, I understand why, cause there's like, you know, hundreds of parents in the hospital mm. and they know your child's name, but like for, and so for, so I like had this baby and then it was so hard. And then two weeks later you're in the hospital for months and like no one uses your name mm. the whole time. And it's such a loss, like a, like an awful loss of identity, uh-huh. you know? Um, so there's like, so yeah, it was just this, you, you're just coming at it all from such a different place and. Yeah. The whole, the whole thing. Like I I remember my friends, I had lots of friends that had kids around the same time and they were all doing all the baby stuff, right? Like going Mm -hmm. to the yoga classes and going to the groups and all this stuff. And, and I was like, I just, I had like no interest in that. Like I just couldn't engage in any of that because my experience was just so different. And I knew that they couldn't relate to me at all anymore. And I couldn't really relate to them. And it was just very isolating. And so I think also, turning to writing and especially my first book the push was is very much about this woman's very dark experience through motherhood through the earlier stage of motherhood and i think i just wanted it was like me in the book you know me in the writing mm-hmm, like that yeah. that was a place where i could just to, through a woman who's having obviously a very different experience than I did, but it was a place to really explore that on the page and work out a lot of those that sort of darker side, a lot of the fear and and all of that.
2: Going back a bit, you went to Western, mm-hmm. and now did you? So when you went to Western, did you go with the intention of being a writer?
4: Mm-hmm. That no, was no, because I, I was yeah. wondering because it's like
2: interesting that you have mm-hmm. this career obviously in publishing, it's writing adjacent but not writing, like. I'm just always fascinated by like people that are like, what makes somebody a writer? Is it being Mm. published? Is it being proud of your own work? Is it somebody saying it's good? How did you sort of reach the point where you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm a writer and I know I'm, good at this
4: that's a great question yeah I think you know when I went to Western I didn't pursue like writing but I took a I was really interested in media like I, I that's all I wanted to do was like um, like pop culture media and they have a program there called media and information techniculture which is still around but it's it was this really small program that was just all about like um, critiquing media like critical theory um, so I, I really I loved that world and there was a lot of writing in that world But, um, yeah, I think I always knew I was like a strong writer. Like I just, I loved Mm. writing. I'd always had like good feedback on writing in my life, like through like school and stuff. And I just, I just could feel it. I just knew I was, I just always felt like a writer that that's like part of just what I identified with, I think. And then, and then I didn't really... Like when I started writing, when my son was around six months old and I started writing the first book, it took me like a long time to show that to anybody. Like I worked on it for several years and revised it and like had a few people I showed it to. But there does come this sort of terrifying point in the process, I think, where you just realize that if you want if you want your work to be better, you have to share it and get feedback and work on it. And I, I sort of got to that point where I thought I can't make this any better. And and, I, and you just sort of come to a point where you think, OK, this is either going to I either have to go for this or not. And I I was in this weird position where um, because I'd worked for Penguin and was so close with um, them, I knew I had to show it to them at some mm. point, yeah. but they didn't know me as a writer. And you're like, what you write? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. exactly. It's, like a weird like, huh? it's like you're. You I'd a be book? like
2: insecure. It's like it was. Here, yes. like, do, you think, I, so, do you think like a lot of people that work in the industry want or are prob- writers? And they probably I think have to so. go. Like, oh, there's another publicist exactly. who wants that's to. Be a writer. Exact, that's oh how God. I felt. That's exactly yeah. how I felt. I felt like
4: they're all going to be like, "Oh God, here she goes." And I sort of had just disappeared because I was supposed to come back, and sp- and I just had sort of disappeared with this kid, and that was it. So I felt. Scared. I felt scared. But it was actually funny because I so Nicole and Stanley is the um, publisher of Penguin Canada. She's just remarkable. She's a remarkable person. But I had worked with her or for her um, for those years. And we had sort of kept in touch. Um, we actually had kids around the same time that, that when I had my son, she also was going on mat leave. But um, so I, I, I knew I had something to show her and I was just, I was so scared. So we met and we had a tea together and I was so nervous the whole time because I, I wanted, because I had to tell her that I had done this and I, I didn't know really what to do next. And I kind of wanted some advice on agents and stuff. Did she know
2: what the tea was about or was it just a no, friend No, it was hang just like a And you were just going to drop it on her.
4: Yeah. And I and I was I was so nervous and I think she could tell I was really nervous. And then at the end I was like, look, I have this thing I want to tell you and I'm, I'm so scared to tell you and it's going to sound weird. And she interrupted me and she was like, let me guess, you wrote a book. <laughs> Which so funny and she's like i always knew you would you're such a great writer i always knew you would write something so that How was she really know nice. you're a good writer though i guess just from work stuff like emails yeah. Yeah. Emails, yeah. emails. That's That's the they're important <laughs> <laughs> yeah
5: Oh, wow. That's so interesting. Yeah, so that, did, was, that
4: was very, um, it was just such a like generous, lovely like response yeah. that she had. And then I, and then I shared it with her and then, yeah. See, I'm the opposite. The second I have, have like half of an idea,
5: I called Mike. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I got this idea. Yeah. I don't really know what it is, but I need you to help me figure it out. Yeah. Um, yeah it's like, I have like, three lyrics in a song. <laughs> Who wants to hear it? Um, <laughs> uh, that's why I'm saying a lead singer. But um, when did you show your husband or when did you, t- like, were you talking to mm. your husband about uh, the writing of the first book? Like when did yeah. you, was he poking around? Cause obviously you need your own mm-hmm space Mm -hmm. to create but how does that work
4: yeah it was good he so i um, what's he do
5: by the way tell us about
4: he's not in um he's not in anything creative he's in finance and investing yeah so not in that world at all but i but he's a very good um he has like a very good understanding of people like he's he's and so i knew he would be helpful with like the characters with like insights Mm. into people but he so actually what happened was i was pregnant with my second child with my daughter. I'm trying to remember now. Yeah. I was pregnant with my daughter and I really wanted to get, um, I'd been working on it for like a couple years. This and is the push. This is the push. Yeah. And I really wanted to, um, Start like sharing it with people or sending it out to agents, and I I had this idea that like I would be done this book like before I had her like before I gave birth and then I'd be able to like just be done and then kind of pursue it later like send it out to agents after, and so I was like pretty pregnant and at that time and then like finally gave him sort of this the the book that I'd been working on and it was like read it you know can you read it and give me had feedback you any inkling of what yeah was like, about? he kind of knew yeah he kind of knew okay. but I hadn't read a lot of it um and then he re- he read it and. Then and he was like, Well, let's go, like, let's go for lunch. like go for lunch and talk about like oh, oh, a book. That and I was like, oh God. oh
2: God. Yeah. Were you like, nervous at is, that lunch? He was just gonna <laughs> tell her he wants to be a writer, actually. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I have a book.
3: Yeah. Can you put <laughs> me in Duncan's book? book? Yeah. <laughs> you got
4: good <the> connections. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. So we we went for lunch and he was like he was like, Look, this is really hard feedback to give. I feel like I, I feel like you're not gonna like this, but I feel like um, like 75% of the book is like, just not working. 75 <laughs> That's a <large laughs> percentage. crazy yeah. number! Okay, crazy so this number. is an
3: interesting sort
2: of question about partners and feedback. Mm. Is your instant reaction, um, uh, like, are you fuming or do you take it constructive criticism? No,
4: or? I was like, fuck this guy. He doesn't yeah. know. Yes. He's okay. Some, like, well, he works in finance. You know. He
2: doesn't know. He works in finance. Yeah. Like,
4: this fucking fuck finance broke some of yeah. me. around exactly.
3: fucking books, 75%. Exactly. Okay. So yeah. You, and he you... was
4: like, the, exactly. He was like this, there's this like quarter of it that he, fe- he felt like was so good. And the rest of it was just kind of like meh. And, and so I was. Obviously, like really pissed off at that, and just thought like I'm not gonna like whatever. I shouldn't whatever. He he doesn't really know what he's talking about, and and also I was like about like very pregnant, like about to have a baby, um, and so it wasn't good. It just wasn't good. And but. you
3: kidding me? I'm getting sick. You're giving me shit up my look. Exactly.
4: Trying to make myself. We don't even have the
2: appetizers like, yet. <laughs> good
4: exactly Lord. that. Exactly that. So um, but then but then after like I, you know time went by and I thought about it and I and what he was saying was the this this part that you have that's really working is like the really dark motherhood stuff like Mm. the like the story about um like the like the really honest true raw stuff is so good and then there's all this other stuff that i think i was writing to try to make the dark stuff not feel so heavy Mm. you know like i was kind of like doing a bit of what i really wanted to write about and then kind of like kind of like putting other stuff on top of it to make it feel not so you, weren't full you of know it's right. so yeah, it like exactly. a slapstick
1: comedy and then <laughs> yeah, <dark. it> <laughs> like, yeah,
4: exactly yeah and so and, and then I kind of came around to realizing no he, he's totally right it's like exactly yeah. what's wrong with this wow. and that the good writing is this small <laughs> this small little bit that I can keep and the rest of it needs to go um so I I came around to that and I rewrote all the rest of it um wow. and wow. that became exactly what the push is what you the know, book is yeah
5: now it speaks to his character that he was like interested in all the weirdness because i always think about whenever i read any novel especially ones that are really get in the weird corners of mm-hmm. the human experience i always like what does their partner think of all this yeah. and you know, you're talking about motherhood you're talking about relationships mm-hmm. between you know marriages and, and and I feel like it would offend ninety-six percent of the population who's in a partner partnership. Like, can you yeah. imagine? Yeah, like, yeah, I, I yeah. you know what I mean. That's I, all I, I, I was
1: I, thinking. Yeah, reading the whispers. The, the, I was like, what is your
5: partner <laughs> thinking? <laughs> <could> think. And <laughs> oh, by yeah. the way, we're gonna do a spoiler alert <laughs> half, like halfway through this. So we're not transitioning to the whispers spoiler not alert yet. yet. We're it's not working okay. there, we're yet. Keep we, in yeah, we can deep diving. We
2: can
1: say there's lustful thoughts in the whispers, right? Like people have wandering eyes. Yeah. So when your husband reads that, is he like, do you have wandering eyes? Is he suspicious or not?
4: anything no I don't think he can no No, he's pretty um well it's funny with like the push I think he didn't see it and I didn't either honestly like I don't think we really realize like a lot of the feedback on the push is like oh it's so dark and it's so Mm -hmm. honest and it's so raw and like I don't think we really saw it I, that way entirely and I maybe which maybe just said something about like our experience of <laughs> yeah. parenthood I don't know but um, yeah, I don't know and then in the whispers um, no he do, I don't know he doesn't have like no issues no issues with it well, I, wow. I guess this
2: is like a general question about writing and I, you know we've talked to musicians about this too like when you write mm-hmm. a song or anything how much you hold back how much are you worried that the people in your life think oh they're talking about me mm-hmm. as an author you obviously must have friends in your neighborhood who think they're a, a Blair or a Whitney or a or whatever that is do you do you are you very conscious of that where it's like oh shit they're gonna know I'm talking about so-and-so's husband
4: yeah it's funny I you know I get a lot I get that a lot like yeah. I, a lot of people a lot of people say to me like are you so worried about like yeah what your partner's gonna think what your kids are gonna think like your friend and, and I to me it's like it's not it's not a memoir like it's not it's not um like they're they're personal the books are personal to me in a sense that um Oh, I, don't, I don't know if you'd feel like this with like with songwriting, but it's it's sort of like eh, there's truth in all like there there's a true feeling or a true emotion or real questions or things I'm interested in or like the things I'm obsessed about. Like that's all in the book. But there it's not like it's not me. It's not my it's mm-hmm. not like my best friend. It's not my partner. Like it's so I think you sort of find these um, little bits of like truth like that you hope people really relate to. Um, and I hope that readers like relate to a lot of what's in the book. Um, But then you're like, you know, building something totally different out of that truth or out of that emotion. Okay, okay that but feeling.
5: if we were g- to go through like a character, like mm-hmm. pick any character,
2: because mm-hmm. like building they, a character profile. Yeah, they're yeah. so
5: vivid, right? Like, and would you be like, could you be like, oh, okay, if we're going to talk about Whitney, it's like this, mm-hmm. this is a composite of seven different people I I know, or or a movie character that I like. W- yeah. we, could you? if you were to think deeply about it identify okay this guy kind of reminds me of six different people and i've sort of the good bad parts and the bad parts or, or is that not the way your brain works mm, i'm just like it, just there's, the character a bit, there's a bit of that it uh-huh. depends
4: honestly it depends on the character but yeah uh-huh. there, there are some characters where i'm thinking of a certain thing about a person i know mm-hmm. um and that does that definitely shows up in the character mm-hmm. um but never to the point where I hope they'd be able to identify themselves. You know? <laughs> this is the question. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. When, when
2: you're writing, do you picture an actor in your head? Do you have a complete sort of a um, mm. fabric, like a, like a new sort of image of someone or is it someone in your life? Like, what are you picturing when you're writing the characters? I
4: usually have an idea in my head, but it's, I actually, it's never like an actor for yeah. some reason. It's never, because that would be too specific. You know, it has to be someone like totally different in my mind. There's a few characters though that, like there's a character of Mara in the yeah. book The Whispers. And that is- with us. Yeah. yeah. And she, so she, um, is based off of a neighbor that I had. So I lived in this neighborhood up in the street called Argyle right around the corner. We lived there for eight years. Um, and I had this neighbor who was sort of a Mara type, like she was a Portuguese immigrant. She was just really lovely woman who l- literally like lived on her porch. Like she embodied that really beautiful porch culture that, um, a lot of like neighborhoods like this have, which actually will be gone within a generation. Mm-hmm, yeah. Right. Like that, that is a, that is like a thing that, um, won't exist anymore. It's just kind of th- sad. That in yeah, the book, yeah. Yeah. And so, and so she, so we had this, she was just, I never had a conversation with her in the eight years that I lived there because she doesn't speak any English. Um, but she would watch our lives, Unfold, right? Like she was, she would just watch us come and go. Like I would think about bringing our kids home from like the hospital and she was there watching, and like first day of school, she's there watching. Like, you know, she she just was observing so much about our life. Um, and you I think
1: she secretly spoke English and she just wanted <laughs> you to think right that <laughs> so she could hear everything. Yeah.
3: Maybe,
4: maybe. She probably, she probably, well, I think she understood more than probably I It is interesting to have a to
2: detached show. witness to your life, mm-hmm. like someone that doesn't interact yes. with you, but yes. somehow has seen all these milestones mm-hmm. as you bring the kids home for the first time
3: and go <laughs> totally day. yeah that's
4: yeah, and i was i was really fascinated by that um and so she sort of became the inspiration for the character mara in the book um and i don't i would always think as she was kind of watching us i was like wow i wonder like she must be th- it must be nostalgic for her like she must be thinking about like her kids and her family mm-hmm. and um you know comparing like mo- what motherhood looks like and just womanhood and yeah I, I, yeah so that that I wanted to write about that. I was really interested in writing a dynamic um, like that. So so sometimes, like, a, to, to answer your question, like, sometimes a character um, like that it, it is it very much, like, is inspired by someone. And then other times, like... Yeah. Sometimes there's, you know, stuff about a friend or whatever that I think like, oh, that's so good. Like I have to like use that at some point. Um, And I take a lot of notes. Like I'm a really like obsessive note taker on my iPhone
0: voice notes or just like just uh, text. Yeah. Like Mm write them
4: And I I have like, yeah, like I, I do that constantly, like all day long. Um, like I know we're all obsessed with our phones, but mm-hmm. I, I like want my phone nearby cause I'm going to think of something and like, I have to write it down. Um, and I use that a lot, um, with characters and developing characters, um, going back to like things someone did or someone said, or yeah.
2: The next book is a slapstick comedy about three podcasters.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd love that. Uh, <laughs> who's going to play us? Uh, we'll play ourselves. Um, how quickly after you finished the push, did you start conceiving of the whispers?
4: Oh, well, you know what? Pretty soon because, well, actually not, I guess I had finished the push. So what happened was, um, I, so I had, I was so lucky the way that it all went with like an agent and a book deal and and all, I, it it was like magical. Like it was like the stuff that just doesn't happen. I was so lucky. Did it happen quick? It did. It happened like really quick. So I, I, um, had went out to this handful of agents that I just thought, I just I thought like, okay, and this was actually advice from Nicole and Stanley, who I mentioned earlier, who just sort of said, you know what, you get like one shot at this. Just go big, like go big like go out to like the best agents in the world and just try like just start there and try which is such like incredible advice I think especially as a woman when you sort of maybe have a bit of a inclination to want to play small sometimes you know and she was it it was just yeah it was it was kind of what I needed to be like okay I am I I do want I do want this to be a a big book and I want to have like a successful career um so I reached out to these like I think it was five or six of like these great agents like in London and New York um and was so lucky to have interest from them and I went and one of them uh, Madeline Milburn had she was from London and she said um, like we have to meet face I was trying to make a decision on the agent and she said we have to meet face to face and I'm going to be in New York next week and would you fly to New York and just have dinner with me and I was like okay okay sure uh-huh. let's like I, it was so exciting and so fun so I went to New York we had this great dinner together um, and I just sort of decided on the spot at dinner that like yes like we should work together we just had such great chemistry and I really mm-hmm. loved her and and then, and then she was like, oh, so once I made that decision, like at dinner, she was like, okay, great. So I'm going to need a summary of your second book, like tomorrow morning. <laughs> Whoa. So wow. I
3: was like,
4: okay, put, put the champagne down and like, and, <laughs> I'm and like, tonight. yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so I put together and I did have the idea for the whispers, like a lot of it. Um, but it was, it was just like a little idea in my the head. Title? Did you have the title at that point? I didn't. No, no. What, did um, you have a ten- an
5: original title for it before it was just that, untitled until Yeah.
4: Whispers. I was like literally just untitled on my desktop. Um, Um, But so then I I went home, I went home and the next morning I wrote like a summary of it. And the reason she wanted the idea is because she wanted to sell two books at once, which is wonderful, which is great. She needed a bit of a package. Yeah. Yeah. And then so she sold um, both books like literally the next day um, in in the UK and then Canada and then the US. So it all happened So you can sell the
1: second book before it's even written?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it was sold on the idea. I mean, the idea changed a bit, but so That's I kind of had to commit like that at that day at like, what, what is this idea going to be? I put um, down the
2: wine. I'm going home to start yeah. writing my book. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was all, it was like so lucky and so wonderful that it happened that way. And so then when, after that book deal happened, I had like a year and a half until the push came out and I, I worked on the whispers during so that how did
5: so th- do people in the industry just know, oh, we got a hit book on our hands? Because you 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 signed the thing and the push comes out a year and a half later. Mm-hmm. So how, but who, is it because your friends at Penguin just sent them out to agents and no, they're like, was, oh, this is really good. Like, how do people know?
4: Yeah, so I didn't go through Penguin. So I, I did it all like independent of Penguin. And then we ended up selling it to Penguin when we were doing okay. the Canadian book deal. I don't, you know what? It's, it's like, I wish I could explain it. It's like this, um... It's all kind of like a timing thing and an energy thing. And I feel like I had this really great agent who just knew... Like the way she would say it is the, the reason she sold it so fast to the UK was because she said, I know that the UK, I know that UK editors are looking for something just like this, like right mm. now. And it's like a bit of a building of hype, right? Like it, it, it really is an industry that's really like susceptible to hype, I mm. think. Like you can and it's like you have the right agent and then the right editor buys mm-hmm. it really quickly overnight. And then, you know, the next market knows that that's happened and then there's excitement there. And so it all just kind of builds from there and it only ha- like I don't it doesn't I, I don't know how to explain like what book it happens to and what it doesn't but I think a lot of it is just
5: but the agent read it the early like it wasn't finished. Finished was it was it was, the push finish, it was like mostly finished.
4: it's different than what it is now like I edited it, edited it a lot with the editors but uh-huh. it was finished yeah okay yeah. and
5: then they're like this looks really good I know we can get yeah. this
4: to yeah yeah you know. yeah exactly yeah
2: did you feel a lot of pressure with the second book
4: I did yeah I felt a lot of pressure with the second I it was really hard I felt like writing it was really hard um and i revised it a lot um and i was also writing it like a lot during the pandemic I don't know how you guys felt about oh, like, weird time. It's, yeah, it was so hard. Like creatively. Um, it's funny. Like some people say, like, I have friends that like flute, like wrote a book the fastest they have ever written during the pandemic mm-hmm. and felt like, like it was finally this chance to like focus and the creativity was right there. I, I had like the opposite experience where I think yeah. it's maybe because I had small kids. I can but... always
1: feel the kids in the other room. Yes. Even yes. if they didn't come in, the prospect of them coming in was enough to make me feel like they were in the room. Exactly. And I'm like, can you get them out of here? You know, every noise I here so i felt
4: the same way i like couldn't get away from them and mm-hmm. i like i was like struggling in those days like i was like you I, write in coffee
5: shops typically I right i usually do i yeah. never
4: write at home i always write in coffee shops and i couldn't go to a coffee shop i couldn't even like you can't even leave your house it was it was just i found it like yeah. stifling Like do you I, wait like,
1: till they're asleep like if they ever cou- do sleep i was sleep. so
4: tired at yeah. night and they That's were like oh, it was just such a terrible That's the time fallacy
2: about parents like i'll do it at night after they go to bed but then once yeah. they go to mm-hmm. bed you're kind of like I, I, all I can do right now is either fall asleep or just, I'm going to watch an hour of TV or exactly. whatever that is. That yeah. was
4: exactly. I had like nothing left to give writing. Like it, I found, I do, how did you guys find Did you, were you guys doing your like working on your show at that point? Yeah. I it th- took
2: well, a minute though. It took yes. a bit like the first, I was useless for the first like few months of the pandemic or whatever. I was like basically just in family mode. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Yeah. Like I, I don't know. Did you get anything creative done early on?
1: Well, I was, I wasn't scared, but I'm an anxious person. And then when something mm-hmm. actually happens to Warrant being
5: anxious. I can actually. Yeah, you were taking all the- your money out of the bank and changing it for gold or something. Wait, I mean, was- that <laughs> was Mike. Mike no, that was that I shit I gave him an offer based on my, br- my brother in law, Is also kind of a smart <laughs> financial guy. It's
2: like, take cash out. And he was on it early. This is like December. He's like, yeah. I've been watching China, the markets. He had like a meeting with us about the pandemic where he's like, Are you guys planning? And Danica and I were like, Yes, we hadn't planned a fucking thing, but we acted like we just want to send like bad parents. And then so I went to work and I'm like, Oh, hey, this thing's going to actually happen and you should take your money out because that's yeah. what. Anyway, so we all took go- <laughs> cash <laughs> now looking back it's like why did you think that? i like, didn't
1: dig out cash oh you didn't no
2: you, well i thought my advice was worth something
1: i i took it seriously but then i also um i realized that you're not a normally that anxious of a person no. so it gets scary when life hits you yeah whereas me i'm always prepared for it so <laughs> i just had worked really hard to like keep my job so i'm like i'm gonna write two scripts a day yes. for mm. my job but all my side projects i kind of put on hold until the pandemic, I realized it was there for a while. And then I started like, you know, a family podcast and TikTok accounts and everything. But it did take about eight months before I could actually do side pursuits.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and, I mean, you were writing, you were you're yeah it was a weird time for You're, all you musicians doing that
2: show like that uh instagram
5: oh, show yeah flat in the curb music class where yeah. we were just like teaching people how to play guitar mm. on instagram no, more live
2: actually mm. did you take out cash in preparation <laughs> for the pandemic? Yeah. No, I did not. i, would, I
4: honestly <laughs> My husband's
5: like a finance guy he knows
4: better <laughs> i just felt i i just i hated every day like i just yeah. was um i don't know, with two kids like i i'm not um i'm not great with i'm not great like with being home with the kids anyways, like that is not, I'm just not like, uh, I, 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 can very much relate to Whitney in the book. Like I was going to say, not, I, I don't didn't want to offend you, but
3: yeah.
4: No. <laughs> no offense taken, but thank you. But yeah, I, I felt, um, I'm not, I'm not like that engaged at, I don't love to like, you know, be playing and doing stuff at home. And, yeah. and it was like, that was all there was to do. I, I found that so hard because all I wanted to be doing was writing, was working. Um, so I was, yeah, I was like a mess those days. I just didn't. I, yeah, it was like, bad. You know
1: how the book deals with default parenting a lot with mm-hmm. Blair being the default parent and then she envies Whitney's life and then Whitney's not the default parent, but she still feels like she's not measuring up to being mm-hmm. like what a mom should be. Do you feel like that when you don't want to be that default parent or don't necessarily enjoy playing with the kids?
4: Yeah, I think I do. I think I do feel, um, I, I, I I, like, I don't know. I have a, I mean, and it's so funny. I feel like I was just about to do the thing that I always do, which I'm trying not to do, which is when I'm going to be like honest about something with motherhood, I always Mm want to say, but you know, I I love my kids so much and they're so amazing. And I, I'm trying to like stop doing that, but it's funny. I, um, as a, as a side thing, I was having a conversation with someone who is is also working creatively on um, like stuff around motherhood, like um, like writing and directing. And we were having this great coffee and chatting and talking about motherhood in like this really honest way, um, and like really relating to each other. And I was hearing about her work, and it was so great. And then I kept thinking to my, I felt like we were playing a game of chicken. Like I felt like we, I felt like it was like <laughs> yeah. who's gonna say so it first? Are you gonna say? Gonna be gonna, you? Yeah. yeah. And I really was just waiting for her. I kept thinking, I wonder if she's gonna do it. And I I thought, I wonder if I'm going to do it. Like, I wonder if I can just leave this conversation without being like, Oh, but like, I I love my kids and they're so great and they're so cute. And isn't this a cute stage? And, Uh and, um, (laughs) and in the end we both did it. We both did it. We both like got it in there and then probably felt better about ourselves. But it's so, uh, it's so funny. It's so funny how we feel the need to do that. But back to your question. Yeah. Um, I do, I do feel this sense of like, I think especially when you're doing something creative, when, when like creativity, when you're pursuing something, like whether it's like writing or I don't know, like music or acting or any, like anything that's creative, you almost feel like it doesn't count in some ways as this like thing. It's um, a pursuit, like yeah, a like responsibility
5: that, or something like that. Totally. It's like if your husband goes to work, you're like, yeah, he, he, yeah. he doesn't do an important number stuff and he's bringing home money for us or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's like, but if it feels Like I need time to myself to think about a made up world I'm building right now. Exactly. That feels so frivolous. Yeah, exactly.
4: And sometimes I think like, um, I, I talk to my kid, like when I, when my, like, I try to be really transparent with my kids about like work time. Like I'm working, I'm not just sitting at a coffee shop Mm -hmm. all day, you know, like Mm -hmm. trying to be trying to like communicate that to them. But so, yeah, I do, I think I struggle with that a bit in terms of like value and trying to show, I don't know, time away from your family or away from your kids, pursuing the thing you want to do.
5: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care.
2: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com i'm mm.
1: not the default parent not that there needs to be a default parent but that, that's just the situation we're in and i don't feel guilt about it and i'm wondering mm. do you think that will ever change where A woman who doesn't want to be the default parent and chooses to pursue interests outside of the home will ever stop feeling guilt or shame surrounding that or embarrassment around other moms like they have to pretend.
4: I think that that is one of the things, um, like obviously women have come like so far in society in so many ways. And there's like all examples that we can talk about, but I do feel like that exact thing you're talking about has not changed. And I don't know if it ever will. I Mm. I honestly don't. I feel like that's this one thing that we seem to really hang on to. There's a quote at the beginning of the book, um, about feminism and motherhood and being like a wife, you know, Mm -hmm. and I, and the, the quote is, um, by, I'll just, I'll, I can't, I don't want to butcher it. So I'll just read it. Um, but it's by an author, Rachel Cusk, who wrote very like honest memoirs about the end of her marriage and about, um, motherhood. And she really was vilified for them at the time. Mm-hmm. This was like 15 or 20 years ago. Um, and she was doing an interview, um, actually with the Globe and Mail. And I, I, after I finished her books, I was doing like a deep dive on her, you know, just yeah, to, like yeah, read her course. interviews and stuff. Cause I loved, I loved her book so much. Um, and, and I read, and she said this in the Globe and Mail that, um, what I increasingly felt in marriage and in motherhood was that to live as a woman and to live as a feminist were two different and possibly irreconcilable things. Mm-hmm. And I read that and I was like, oh, that's so true. Like, I, yeah. I think there's so much truth in that. Although I think there's a lot of wom- women that would be really uncomfortable with that idea and wouldn't want wouldn't agree with it or wouldn't want to agree with it. But I think it is this idea exactly what you're saying, Shane, that I feel like um we, I think especially our generation, like millennials, we sort of have grown up with like such a strong feminist message, like being thrown at us mm-hmm. all the time. Right. It's like you grew up feeling like you can do it all. You can have it all that like, you know, the quality, like we, in so many ways, like during your really formative years, like feminism is such a huge part of all of our identities and then the reality is you like be you enter into this very like domestic life mm-hmm. of, you know, being a partner or being a mother and all of a sudden like you feel like you can't like you don't have that anymore, you know. Yeah, like
1: it's hard to win. Like even if you don't care, you're being judged, and you care about the judgment that other people exactly. are bestowing on you.
4: Exactly yeah. that. Exactly that. Yeah. So I th- yeah, I just think that when I read that quote, I was like, oh, that's that is truth. <laughs> like that yeah, is. Yeah, I
5: think that's what the book gets to too. Is that there's just like different types of moms, but and there's mm-hmm. and there's and as you say, like there's little room for that seemingly in, in our culture. Whereas like there's lots of room for different types of dads. you right. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's dads that are away on business all the time. There's dads that are at home working. There's dads that are not in the picture at all, but show up sometimes, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a spectrum mm-hmm. of people. Let's well, just, my dad's not around or my dad's around all the time, or, you know, but with moms, it's like, you're either like locked the fuck in every day being a domestic What's the term? Uh, no, default, de- parent. default parent, yeah, mm-hmm. or or you're not, you don't care as much, or, or something. You totally, and yeah, that yeah. seems very unfair. You know, sometimes, yep. if you are the man and
1: you're the default parent, it's different. Mm-hmm. You can be judged mm-hmm. for that.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Mm-hmm. But
1: am I able to read the opening sentence? I'm always fascinated yeah, by the sure. very first sentence of a book. Sometimes I'll, I don't read much, but I, I do like reading the first Spoiler sentence. Oh. okay it's just one <laughs> no, sentence. I'm just okay.
3: <laughs> for, the first sentence in the book. Here.
1: So yeah. he. He lifts two fingers to his nose and smells the child's mother as his eyes grow wide in the dark of his kitchen. So that's pretty
2: like You bam, wanted this to be an erotic apply ever since day one and now you're getting it in. I was it. gonna say that's why I was like, that's why Max recommended
1: this <laughs> <laughs> <read> <laughs>
5: I did like the the snoop <laughs> around. Okay, hold closet. on. A second. Let's <laughs> just say to our
2: we're gonna say to our listeners right now. This is the line. This is the line where we are now crossing over to talking exclusively about yeah. the whispers in a way that nothing is off limits, spoilers well, okay. and all. No, I like this. this is I good. wasn't
1: trying to go into spoilery territory. I don't think it's but a we, good time to flip sure, it over. Let's do that. You
2: know? right. and so we're good to talk about this. Starting yeah. with that line. Would you like to read it again?
1: Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. He lifts <laughs> two fingers to his nose and smells the child's mother, as his eyes grow wide in the dark of his kitchen. Now, how much effort was put into just that opening line, knowing how much pressure it is for authors to come up with that great grabbing line? Did you do it last? Did you do it first? Did it change like a million times until you had it just right?
4: Oh, yeah. Good question. I think that I did. Yeah, a lot of I revise a lot. Like Mm -hmm. I rewrite a lot. So usually... Um, when I first start writing, it's not, it it will end up differently. Like it will, I sort Mm -hmm. of write the the first kind of few takes, um, of a book I'm just writing to get everything down, like just to make sure that it's all there. Um, and then I, and then there's a phase when I go back and like really pay attention to the writing. So I feel like I, I feel like that came in a bit later. Um, but yeah, I think opening lines are so important. I, I agree with you. I, and, and like the opening and the ending is really important to me as a writer to Mm -hmm. like, to get people right away and to set a tone right away with, the first few sentences yeah is, feels important to me yeah so, so when so i was thank reading, you for mentioning that that's nice i was
1: um i was like at times i got emotional reading the book mm. at times i got like turned on like you know i was scared <laughs> <laughs> like i felt everything honestly <laughs> yeah. turned on. there's yeah. <laughs> no normal way, way to that say it. that yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i feel weird saying that mike and i work together so at work i was like were you like turned on and, over. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm embarrassed Mike's like yes <laughs> so I didn't feel as weird saying it here yeah. yeah. but obviously like you want the ride to be fun mm-hmm. or like a roller coaster as you're reading it but how much of a takeaway when the book's done do you want people to have and what would that takeaway be if there is one
4: Hmm. I think exactly what you said. Like I Turned think <laughs> 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 the entire ride,
1: baby. <laughs> middle oh, section. <laughs>
4: um yeah, I I want a reader just to feel affected. Like I think right. I just want them to feel something, whatever mm-hmm. that is. And honestly, there's people that like I think both of my books are um like polarizing in a lot of ways. Like there are people who just don't want to read about this. Like they don't want to read about this stuff and they feel like it's either Like to me, it's, it maybe that comes from it being too close to the truth or too relatable or uncomfortable. Like I I like writing uncomfortable stuff. Like I like to kind of just go there and go to the uncomfortable place and that's not going to be for everybody. And so even when I get feedback from people that'll be like, I like who didn't like the book Mm -hmm. or they were like angry the whole time they're reading it. Like I'm totally good with that. Like that's okay. Okay. If it made you angry, wonderful. Like that, that's an emotion. That's a takeaway that's affecting, you know, I
5: told my mom to read the book and she loved She 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 just this was the text. Finish the whispers. Excellent book. I'm like, right? What a finishing line. She goes, oh yeah. That kid is nasty. But then so is his mother, <laughs> Whitney.
3: <laughs> says
5: the name. So is his mother, comma, Whitney. Uh, that kid is nasty.
3: He's been in the hospital for months. He's just telling he's, the truth <laughs> ultimately, right? Yeah he's,
5: yeah, he's got a weird
1: relationship with his
4: mom. <laughs> I, I loved that. That was funny.
1: Okay, about Whitney. If we're in spoiler mm, territory. Yeah. Okay, Mike and I were kind of debating this. And I hope you can give us a definitive answer. Because mm-hmm. I know sometimes authors are like, what do you think? But... Um, <laughs> Was she dreaming when she was pinching the tubes to cut mm. off the oxygen?
5: Because it's, ob- yeah, uh, yes. it's
4: intentionally ambiguous. Yes. Yeah, intentionally ambiguous. He yeah.
5: wants a definitive answer, yeah. but this
1: is for people who have already read the book. Yeah. You
4: know. Yeah. So. Um. So, to me, <laughs> in my mind, I think she wanted to do it desperately, but didn't. I think she that, didn't. Oh, yeah. Shut up, Mike. Yeah. Mike
1: thought that I too. I think she.
4: I think she was. I think that that was an escape. That was something that she wishes she could do. Um, And whether or not she did it just for a second or not, um, she wouldn't have gone through with it, but it was, it was like so close that she could taste it and that did something for her. Yeah. Got you. Also in a narrative
2: sense, it, at this point we didn't know the outcome of what happened yes. to Xavier mm-hmm. so it helps plant the seed that maybe she would have some sort of nefarious intent or would go that far mm-hmm.
1: with the child it even so exactly. makes it juicier though the fact that he he lived that, <laughs> talk about
3: spoiler we trying bull- trying bull- we're in the we're in the zone. Zone right now okay um, go okay. ahead max yeah,
5: um when it comes to like dropping tea leaves because mike uh, was bragging to me earlier just before you arrived like I knew it was Ben the entire since page. I think 80. he
1: flipped forward. Yeah, yeah, I, that's my what, theory. No. I got a theory.
5: That's my theory. Absolutely <laughs> not. <your> theory. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> but, I know the right.
2: specific point. It was when. So throughout the book, you did this thing that uh, just as a sort of literary device, each chapter is sort of based on the, the person's POV. So if it's a Whitney chapter, it starts with Whitney. If it's Rebecca, it, with Rebecca. it was when it was the first time you actually doubled up. You did cha- you did like POVs in a row. So it was like Rebecca mm. had a stacked thing, and then at that point, I started going. hmm. I'm like, we haven't seen Aiden sleep with Whitney and she's kept him off the, that scene off the board a long time. And then just economy of characters. I just, my brain started going. It was awfully, obviously still a wallop. And, and I, and I had some other theories that were wrong, but that one was right. I absolutely did not flip forward. I would never like front, like go ahead and look and try and score I points with you, you guys. Mike, I
5: believe you. I do. Yeah. So, okay. But huh. so my, but the art of that is so, so interesting because that's what makes any great. Book great or TV show great. We're like, oh, that thing that happened, which well, I wasn't paying too close attention to. The catch, yeah, yeah. Like you're playing great. catch, like yeah. just little things like that. How much um of that needs to get developed? Like, is that a conversation you're having with your editor? Like, you know, let's move that, like, that sentence up to the fourth chapter instead of leaving it to the sixth. Like, when you when you're, pl- I'm just really interested in like the strategy and planning that.
4: Yeah, that's a good question. It's um. It, I think that all comes in the revision. Mm. Like, I feel like, um, yeah, because I, I, it's almost, you know, the the weird thing about writing a book is that you, you get so close to it that you then there comes a point where you can't see it anymore, you know, mm-hmm. like, and then you need feedback from other mm-hmm. people to be like, this wasn't surprising. This was surprising. Like, so yeah, that my editors helped with that a lot, like giving feedback to just say like where things felt like, you're revealing too much or not and and i i worked on that a lot like i worked on the shuffling around of chapters and to exactly what you're saying mike like the reveals in a certain place and i think what's interesting is that you want to give the reader enough so that like you don't want things to feel entirely out of left field right Mm -hmm. because then that that then as a reader you almost feel like well what the fuck like i've taken on this ride that's like it's not earned exactly um and so you have to give the reader it's probably very similar in like you know any anything like tv any they're kind of writing too, but that you have to give the reader enough that they're, um, they feel satisfied by, and, and you kind of want them to almost to see things coming, but, but it's, but the trick is to get, give them enough that that happens at the right point and not too early.
2: And when it is revealed, you go back and the breadcrumbs were perfect. Yeah. So you go, oh, yeah. is, this is earned. And also I don't think. It was obvious. I'm like that guy that goes to a magic show and I'm trying to learn the fucking thing that's happening before it happens. <laughs> yeah. So my brain was already doing
1: a bit of that.
3: And Which then is it was fantastic. That's right? like so part of the fun.
2: You're yeah. like
1: Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting.
3: <laughs> yes.
2: I'm at the chalkboard <laughs> figuring out the whispers. Uh,
1: yeah. No, it was uh, it was great. Well, you know,
2: speaking of the characters, I'm really curious to know if you know in your mind what has happened, where all these characters are at post the book.
4: Mm. Like in your
2: brain, when you think about Rebecca, like what's her life like now? Aww. I worry about her, you know, I just, I hope she's happy.
4: Yeah. That's a nice question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think with some of the, yeah, like I do kind of think about it. A, like I, I definitely like when I'm done the book, I kind of let it go and I, cause I want to like make space to move on to something else, you know? So I, I don't like linger there, but yeah, I think depending on the ending, like there are, yeah, certain characters where, um, yeah, where I, I do want good things for them. Like I think Rebecca, Rebecca seems to be everyone's favorite character. Like I hear obviously just, she's, everyone wants like a better ending for her than what happens in the book. Um, and I did feel bad about that ending for her, but I also felt like it was just the thing that was going to happen. Like there's a bit of that, like you sort of believe in a fate of a character and it's hard to change your mind on that.
5: So do you think, uh, she and Ben break up? Yeah. 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 Do you Mm -hmm. think she has a kid with somebody else?
4: I think she'll have one of maybe have one eventually. Okay. Yeah,
5: it's nice. Um, do, do Whitney
4: and like Jacob stay her. together?
2: They do because um, Jacob's just down for whatever. I think they do. One hundred percent.
4: Yeah, I think that he doesn't. Jacob's got all the confidence
2: in the world. No, he knows. He just doesn't want to know. I think he he doesn't want to know. I think Uh. he
4: just, it's a bit of blinders for him. That's like a blind eye.
1: Rebecca and Ben break up in the book? Yeah. Kind of like she- Kind of do, yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah. Oh, you thought maybe that was just
1: the- I'm not having kids, but- Yeah, Yeah.
4: no, yeah. Okay, the
5: the one um, moment that is sort of just touched on briefly is that because you're kind of assuming that Aiden- is uh, mm. just a horn dog and he's just like up to no good and kind of mm. lazy, right? He's just kind of mm. that lazy, horny guy. And then it sort of revealed <laughs> that old type. T- t- <laughs> t- 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 she was building out her profile character symbols on the the,
3: the
1: the chalkboard or whatever. That was lazy. That hor- yes. Horny. <laughs> he yes.
5: Yeah. <laughs> 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 and it turns out that he is having an affair, but just with some. Uh, some floozy down at the, at the bar, mm-hmm. right? Well, yeah. it was
2: Jacob's friend's uh, yeah. younger yeah. date. You know, what was, yeah, go
5: on with your it, question. She, finance, did she work in the, in like the finance? Why well, <laughs> is she it. a floozy? <laughs> <laughs> Just Isn't casting judges yeah. on her. <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry, I should have said that. Um, but was it, was it some kind of fancy car? <laughs> what an antiquated <laughs> <laughs> It was her fault. <laughs> she, she, she tricked Aiden. This is the
4: 1920s, Paul. She was a floozy.
1: All
5: the guys with the speakers. right, we're going to end that up. The, <laughs> <laughs> We're keeping every bit of it. Go yeah. on. Um when you're trying to find an answer for Aiden, like w- like was he cause because for a while it kind of had me duped. Mm. I was like, oh no, he's just a nice guy, maybe a little bit lazy. <laughs> <laughs> <That's what he's-> <laughs> <laughs> he just tries on condoms
3: sometimes.
1: <laughs> 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 he just that.
2: leaves his key around. Yeah, yeah. No, You know what was great with actually <laughs> the character. Within Blair feels all this guilt about being judgy, yes. right? And so the reader then has this sort of
5: moment where they're like, like, oh, Aiden's actually not so bad. I was actually kind of relieved for exactly. and then, And then, you, but then you're like, oh, it turns out he great was Whitney doing Great Whitney
2: scene, by the way, where oh. she basically kind of protects her friend. Thanks. And we see a bit of how Whitney feels about Blair, which Blair feels like Whitney. Whitney's sort of always in arms and she, but then you realize that like Whitney gets a lot to Blair too, and has these sort of like this protective. Anyway, it was a mm-hmm. fantastic scene oh, where she, you. where Thanks. the girlfriend shows up or whatever the, the yeah, affair. Or
5: when or did anything. you uh, come here Like, Oh no, Aiden is actually kind of up to no good too. Like where he was that Cause it's not that relationship isn't sort of uh, discovered in any deeper way than just go, Oh, she showed up one day. and
4: Yeah. I think I, I always, I always mm-hmm. knew that about Aiden. I feel like mm-hmm. I always knew that Aiden was, cheating on her and mm. she because I, I i think and i think that's um like no matter how you feel about blair that ending validates a lot about her you know gotta yeah. listen to the whispers yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah she knows, yeah even though Is she didn't did know and i think that there's a lot there's a lot going on in their relationship like there's some gaslighting there's some yeah. you know there's a lot of um and, and her just not, I think in the same, almost like in the same way, um, that we see Jacob do like Jacob just doesn't really want to know the truth because he knows the consequences are too big. Um, and Blair is doing that as well, right? Like I think Blair sort of, uh, she's in that same place mm-hmm. where she, she sort of knows, but she doesn't want to face it because she knows the consequences are going to be too great. And she's sort of just scared of like what that means for her life. Um, but I, I always knew that Aiden was up to no good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: What's been the most interesting, like, fan feedback that you've gotten mm. from from a, someone who goes, "Oh, this is so relatable," or "This made me find my cheating husband," or "This sent me on a new <laughs> path." <laughs> have you got anything interesting? Uh, I, I, we yeah. get lots of weird stuff for, from songs that we've written.
4: Oh, interesting. Where so, people have
2: found
5: their cheating husband. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, anything uh, of note that comes to mind?
3: There you, you like, know, oh.
4: I get a lot of reader emails, like a lot of reader emails and messages, which I lo- I love reading. I, they're 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 fascinating to me. But um, yeah, a lot of people say that they um, had, I get a lot actually a lot of message, messages from people who've just ended a relationship or ended mm. a marriage that seems to be like uh, and then people writing to me being like this that like this is exactly how I felt and it validated uh. kind of a lot for them I've had a lot of that um I've had, and I've had a lot of people reach out to say, like, "Oh my God, I relate to Whitney so much. Like, she mm. is like a lot about mm-hmm. Whitney, That's which cool. is interesting because I feel like she's the easy one to she's, not like. Like, yeah, she's, she's like the antagonist, yeah. but also the,
2: sort of the protagonist. But exactly. it speaks to Shane's
5: theory about, or just what we're talking about, feminism and wanting to have your own life and career and feeling mm-hmm. like you're not doing best, uh, you know, doing your family right, and all those themes. But, but yeah, she's I also think- wildly duplicitous and having yeah. multiple affairs. Like, sure, there's
2: things that beyond. Just Just sort of to make her, I guess, like reprehensible or whatever. If you were to judge the characters, like you said that a lot of people, however you feel about Blair, do a lot of people have Mm. like a negative reaction to Blair?
4: I think a lot of people want Blair to come across stronger than she does at times. Mm. Um, Like a lot of people want her to have like this big redemption, like redeeming thing Mm -hmm. at the end. Yeah, Um, And I I think people are maybe would find frustration with that. But to me, that's not, her ending like that's just not who she is i think
2: you captured something very real too about the idea that it's like she's obviously she knows she's not happy she finds aiden sort of repulsive in a lot of ways and she's sort of annoyed by him all the time but she doesn't want to blow up her life like Mm -hmm. she's like the alternative to this is i'm you know she walks through the apartment and she's not going to actually but it's like it's like every time she plays the mental chess with the three moves down the road, mm-hmm. it's just not preferable exactly. to a current situation. I think a lot of people end up in that situation, whether you're staying in a job or a partnership or whatever that is. To me, that makes Blair sort of the most realistic and her outcome sort of feel yes.
4: that way. But Whitney yeah. didn't
1: want to blow up her life either, even though no. she apparently had everything. She still right. like she wanted to keep that.
4: Yeah. And I I think, I think that's all so exactly Mm -hmm. kind of what I, what I hope people would take away. Um, and what I wanted to write about. And I think like the, I guess like the common thing here, like what everyone is going through in the book is, is like midlife, right? Like what happens in midlife. And that, I think that was my sort of like the thing I was sort of obsessed with, with this book was that idea of like millennial midlife, you know, Mm -hmm. like, what does that look like for us right now is like, such a fascinating topic to mm-hmm. me. I know because
5: like there's so many, we know so many people that are like now in their early to mid forties that are going through divorces. Yes. You know, it, you, yeah. you go from, you know, 12 years ago, everyone's getting married and then half of your friends are in divorces. Yes. It's yeah. It's right that time in time. life right now. Mm-hmm. Right.
4: And, and I think it's also, and I, I like, there's this really great, um, article in the New York Times, like from the spring that I'll send you guys if you're interested, but it's, it's all about like millennial midlife, like how, how this generation's midlife looks so different than all the midlife periods and generations before us, like especially boomers, which like our parents are of that generation. Um, and there's all these reasons why, right? Like so many really interesting, like socioeconomic reasons why our lives feel so different right now. But like for so many of us, we're like, you know, late thirties or mid thirties when we're having our first child, Mm -hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Our families like now when we're in midlife, if we choose to have a family, like usually our families are so much younger than any generation previous. Right. Like economically, financially, we're like collectively in so much more debt. Like there's not a lot of home ownership. There's not like we're, we're just in such a different place. And then our generation has also had this like crisis after crisis after crisis that generations before us never had. Right. Like there was like, um, I know a lot of us graduated into a recession and then there was nine 11 and, you know, on and on, there was like another economic recession and there was COVID like the pandemic school and school shootings all school the time. There's a million
2: like, things in the news that are, we're sort of, uh, what is like a trauma as a trauma? In yeah. A weird way.
4: We've had like such a different experience, I think, um, leading up to this point in midlife. And so what is that? Like, it, like I feel like in our parents' generation, like the midlife crisis was like this thing that like men had, right? When mm. they were like they feeling car, unappreciated because yeah. they made all the money and they were, they bought a car mm-hmm. and like, they were like peace out to their family and that was it. And <laughs> <laughs> it, a pack of smokes, yeah, <laughs> <don't> yeah. <laughs> Like it, that, that was this idea of a midlife crisis. And now I think it just looks so different. Like what does crisis look like? Cause I think every generation, I think we all, I think everyone hits some level or some experience of a midlife crisis, right? Like that, that, point in life where you're like, how the fuck did I get here? Like what, like, who was I, who did I think I would be? Who am I really? And like, how do you, and I think for a lot of people, it's like the opportunity for change is shrinking, right? Like you, you look, I don't know if you guys feel like this now, but like you look ahead and you're like, God, you only have like so many decades left. And if you want to do something different with your life, if you are unhappy, if you're not happy in your relationship, if you want a family and you don't have one, if family life is not for you, but that's what you've committed to, like those are all really hard positions to be in, right? And it all happens like now. Like that's yeah. those are the feelings that we're having now, right? <laughs>
1: Does the article say how that's manifesting itself? Like, in for our my dad, it would be buying a car, or leaving the family. Mm-hmm. Like, how are people doing it now? Start podcasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sketch shows. I
3: think <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the sketch show, yeah.
4: No, but you know what's so interesting about that is I was actually, I was thinking, as I was watching the dessert, I was thinking, uh, which I loved, by the way. I was telling you guys before we started recording. <laughs> He's but so middle
3: aged, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> <What a crisis. laughs> no, but I, I what a did crazy. have a thought. I
4: was thinking, like, <laughs> it's so cool and so interesting that you guys did that at this point in your life right like and it's it's a a total compliment because i think and i feel like i feel like that a bit about my books too like i guess my first book was published when i was like 30 I don't know, like, like mid, mid thirties. Is that like a late bloomer in the literary world? Yeah, like kind of. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like, and then I had this whole other, like my life feels so, it's like a totally different life than I thought. And that's that's a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. Like I, 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 we all are in such a position of privilege, right? That we are doing creative things and we are, we are like, just, we're so lucky. And for you guys to be starting something that means so much to you, that's so big and so cool. And like the thing I'm presuming the thing you really want to do with your life, Life right now is yes. so cool. Like that's very rare, well, right?
1: I think almost because I was turning 40, it gave me a now or never mm. type of approach so that it was like a deadline. And I've always been a procrastinator. So mm. knowing that deadline was approaching, it's like, we have to do it. We have to shoot a pilot. We have to have interstitials. We have to have Max do the theme song. We have to attach all this stuff to it to make it undeniable. And I think if I was 30 and I had mm. been 30 trying to do similar pitches, they wouldn't have been as good or as desperate as...
5: It was being forty,
3: yeah.
5: Mm. So, okay, when you have a massively successful book, um, you might have an opportunity to get it optioned into a miniseries. How does that work? Okay, because and Mm -hmm. where are we at? Would you
2: prefer miniseries or movie? Do you think your book needs miniseries? More time to be told (laughs) because that
5: whole part of it is always so fascinating. When you when you read a book and you go, "Oh, this could make such a great TV show," and that's what I was thinking the entire time. And that's Mm. that's happening with the push. And it's is it. Happening with the whispers yet?
4: Yeah. So yeah. So the, with the push, um, it's it's been optioned for um, by David Heyman or Heyday Television, um, which has done a lot of cool projects that I really loved, and Game I them. feel um, well, he was a co-producer on Barbie, oh, but wow. also um, Harry it. Potter. Um, they did a movie I loved called Marriage Story. I don't know if you oh, guys saw right. that. No bomb yeah. back then. I can't watch that. Mm-hmm. That's too
5: depressing for me. Oh, I but. loved it. Oh, yeah. um, and the yeah.
4: one
2: fight in the like the motel. Yes, is like. Such a good we actually scene. based a sketch on that.
4: Yeah, oh,
2: like yeah. it's uh,
1: deep. It's the one with me and Bella the, as the skunk, skunk costume, and she's episode real job. He's like, "It is a
2: real oh, job, Bella." Just <laughs> yes. like a comedy take oh, on that. Okay, you know, cool. Puts food on the table, but it's a bunch of gumballs and shit. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah.
4: Um, And once upon a time in Hollywood, like just he, they yeah. had done really cool stuff. I was, I was really excited to work with them, and um, yeah, that's uh, hopefully will all happen. There's um, a really great screenwriter. Uh, involved and a really great actress involved, which I have to be annoying and say I can't say who it is, right. but, um, but but, but uh, maybe after the pod, maybe like after, yeah, Mike, yeah who is
2: it
1: Mike you you must know these
3: <laughs> things <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the intuition yeah my intuition
4: but uh, it's really exciting and I've have it's been fun um, that process has been fun and then yeah going through that process right now with the whisper is kind of just deciding sort of what hmm. to do with can it can I do the music for it yes I would love <laughs> to that's a
3: fun
2: yeah oh, yeah, it's yeah. On the pod. yeah um do we, would you want Would you prefer like would you like it to be a movie or a mini series I, th- I think
4: TV I think TV it, for it's a longer story. Yeah, because to be I think with the four different characters, um, I think for enough, it, I think a lot of times it comes down to just logistics. Like if you need to give everyone enough screen time, I think like six or eight hours would probably do the story more justice than. Do, do you know anything B. about writing scripts? No, I don't. I've been I've been um wanting to learn like learn through just I mean I I read um The Pilot of the Push mm. which I I could not have loved more. It was oh, like good. such a cool yeah, cool. it was such a cool experience to read your work adapted like that was just and a one episode but yeah. what yeah, happens if you really don't cool. love it though? Well, I think it depends. You know what? In my case like I am not I I I can't like veto. if I didn't like it I couldn't beat I you oh, know okay. you could some in this case that I like in the structure that is for the push, but some authors, and I also don't feel precious about, it at mm-hmm. all. Like I think, like I, I love the idea of someone who is like, that is their art. Like screenwriting is their, their art. Interpretation I, lo- yeah, the like I love the idea yeah, of seeing cool. something through someone else's lens. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't feel that protective about it at all. Um, but some authors really want to be heavily involved in that and they want to be able to give notes on a script. Like I didn't give notes on it. Um, I just kind of read it when it was at a certain stage. But, um, but the, but the, the person adapting it is like, I would, would never dare say (laughs) like give them my notes on it. Like they're brilliant at what they do. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Do you have any, uh. Maybe you can't say because you never know if you don't get them. But you have any actors in mind for the roles?
4: I really don't. I, think, I really don't no. think about that. Like I, I know. I feel like sometimes I've had that question in interviews, and I sort of just come up with something to say. But I, I don't. I really, I in my, I really like the idea of not kind of thinking about that and then being totally open to. What it ends up being, yeah. you know what I mean? Totally. Okay, yeah.
5: Let's wrap this up because we got to eat these treats, and uh, you guys got to get back to work, and we're we gonna go for a walk. But um, <laughs> we all have our, responsibility. We all our responsibilities. <laughs> um, <laughs> but okay, here, everyone gets a question or two, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, <laughs> we're <laughs> wrapping. We
1: get a question or two. And and then, then, six questions. Yeah, six, 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 you, well, you know. know.
5: We're here for the forty um, minutes. Go on. What. Uh, Okay, give us a book recommendation that oh. you uh, for our listeners. It can't be an Ashley Audrain book. Okay. Um, yeah, and you know us pretty well by now. What would we like to read? <laughs> Something about hmm. walking, apparently. <laughs>
4: what would you guys like to read? Um. Honestly, I would have said tomorrow, tomorrow, and tomorrow, but uh, you have read that, and yeah, you guys have ta- so talked great. about that. But I, I really loved that. That I would have thought about for you guys. Um. I don't know. I might have to get back to you on that. Something you would love. What are you I, reading right now? So I just finished a book that I. I'm like obsessed with. It's called. um, Why wouldn't I like it then? It's a little. It's a little motherhoody. Okay, you're
5: probably
4: right. But um, it's called Sailor Soldier, and it's by Claire Kilroy, who's an Irish writer. And I, I thought if there's anyone listening who likes kind of motherhood. Type books. Mm. It is. It's literary and it's. It's just so beautifully written. And it's literary. um, Literary means like there. There's not much plot. Like not much happens. It's Uh, a lot of, like deep on a character, deep Uh, deep on like scenes. What are you? you I'm somewhere in the middle of like of um yeah. I would like. It's called people like the industry people would describe it as upmarket. Like it's Mm. it's a little bit literary, but there's a plot. I see. Stuff happens. Yeah.
5: And next question. Are you, are you working on your next book? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess you can't say anything about it right now. Yeah. Not
4: yet, but I, I'm working on it. it Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I don't know. I don't know. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it.
3: (laughs) 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 Sweet.
5: The Chris Farley show. Is it cool? Sweet. (laughs) You're awesome. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Mike, your turn. I didn't have two in the chamber. I'm right, so I mean, more of a go
2: with the flow I have guy. A question. Okay. There right. we go. So I don't read a lot
1: of books, and
5: uh, <laughs> <laughs> we should That's open with this.
3: Yeah.
1: But I, because I find I always I have trouble keeping track of all the characters. Mm-hmm. But with this book, you did a really good job of being like Blair, Whitney. Like, it, it, is that how you read each header every time you read
3: <laughs>
4: <any>? <laughs> Whitney, Whitney, Blair. Rebecca.
1: Um, but it was really easy to keep track of everything.
4: So it's interesting because, um, so the first book, the push was from one person's perspective and it was uh, really like tight first person. And I just wanted to do something totally different for the second one, just as like a different writing experience. And so I came up with this idea of these four different perspectives and to kind of hop between the heads of each character. And it is, it is tricky. It's tricky to do for that exact reason that you want people to be able to follow what's happening and not get confused. And I think especially for like three of these characters, like they are just women around the same age and there's not. You have to really differentiate for the reader as you go. So I, I tried to be really conscious of that when I was doing revising. But I think the other thing um, that I hope helps that is was important and and fun when writing is that um, you really like you learn about each when you're writing four characters in the space of like a standard mm-hmm. novel. It The hard part about character development is that you just don't have as, as much space to like go deep on a character. Um, And so you have to just try to be really like smart about that Mm -hmm. and get everything that you want the reader, you know, in a quarter of the space that you would in another novel. And the other thing that's really fun is that, which I think is very true to real life is that, you know, how you can, like there's we think we are projecting ourselves a certain way right like we have an idea of how we are in the world and how we think we're perceived and who, who we want to project ourselves as but even more interesting is the way other people perceive us and you sort mm-hmm. of learn so much about a character through the lens of other people Absolutely. so it's this other way to like give the reader a lot of information That's about cool. a character even though it's not in that character's voice and it's I, I it's I think that's hard. I think you that's something that like I had to work a lot on. I love that
5: because like Blair is sort of, you know, unhappy with herself in some ways mm-hmm. and she's, and she's envious, uh, you know, of Whitney and and then tough name he, for a challenging character too. Blair. Blair <laughs> you just said it. it, it was yeah. She didn't stand a chance. But then, but then when you see the way people look at her, like, oh, what an amazing mom. You know, yeah. she's there yeah. for a kid. She's such a good relationship. It's like, oh, that's so awesome.
4: It it really gives like layers to us. Um, you know, actually, you know what? I was thinking the other day as I was thinking about like this idea of multiple characters. Um uh, something that does this so brilliantly that I feel like you don't even realize as you're watching. Did you guys watch succession? I'm sort of assuming. Of course, you watch yes, succession. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, that show does that like so brilliantly, right? Because you consider like the character, like it's hard. I think it's even harder to do through TV, but you understand each character so differently because of what another character says about them mm-hmm. or thinks about them or interacts about them. Like that show just does it really, really well where the character becomes so dimensional. Um, because they always they're always expressing these opinions about each other, you know, in a yeah, way so that other commentary. shows like don't yeah. quite like mm-hmm. nail in that same way, you know.
1: Okay, my last question, mm-hmm. uh, Marcus. What was his condition if he
4: had one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks for asking that. That's a. I feel like people don't ever really ask that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've had some people message me on like DM or whatever to say, um, was that an autistic child? And it is not. It was not my intention for that child to have autism, um, but rather the condition that Marcus has is called um selective mutism, mm-hmm. and it's actually an anxiety disorder. Um, mm-hmm. And it's um, and he and I did a lot of research on this um, in terms of like how it presents and how a child acts. But basically, it, in many cases, um, it is anxiety that makes the child really shut down and not want to be mm-hmm. verbal. Yeah. And it really is most severe in situations where they are anxious. And so in Marcus's case, like he has his father who just makes him so anxious and um, so unsettled. And so it is always within sort of that environment that he really withdraws mm-hmm. and finds obviously so much comfort his mother um until that kind of goes away too how much research did
5: you do for the book so I know there's a lot of hospital mm. stuff. I know you give credit to yeah. the doctors. That yeah, I did. Um, to.
4: so I, a lot of research on that. And then the other thing was the hospital stuff was I think, cause I was spending so much time in the hospital. Mm, like I have yeah. spent so much time in children's hospital and I really wanted to write about something in that environment because I find that environment absolutely fascinating for mm. some of the reasons you mentioned off the top, like just you're there, but it's not you that's sick. It's the mm. child and you're advocating for them, but there's just so many players and you're observing other families. And it's, it's so mm. interesting to me. Um, Um, And so I wanted to write about a setting like that. And actually, this was obviously not planned, but my son ended up – as I was working through revisions on this book, um, my son ended up having, like, a very major surgery and was in the ICU for a bit after. And I happened – at that time, I happened to be working on, like, the revisions where I was going through a lot of the medical stuff. Mm. And and I had never been in an ICU, like, in that Mm -hmm. capacity before until he had the surgery. And then we were there for three days. And that informed a lot of the book, like, just – observing what that was like and taking notes on what that feels like and what the environment's like. Um, so that was really helpful in an odd way.
5: (laughs) What does your husband's colleagues ask him?
4: Oh, um.
5: Like, does he come? He's like, oh, you gotta, you gotta tell you what Jerry was asking me about the book today. Like, what
4: I don't is think going I on even, at home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think. I also people, think with like
5: family reunions and stuff.
4: The family stuff is weird. Like, I feel like I do, I do. Um, like obviously, there's a lot of sex in the book, like mm-hmm. sex stuff, as we've mentioned. And I can that's you read just, that uh, portion? <laughs> <of you>? <laughs> <laughs> oh, to me, that's just like fun to write, and it's just like a part of life. And mm-hmm. so I just I just wanted to include it or have it as, as part of the book. Um, but when you're writing, you're sort of not or, or I really try hard not to think about anybody reading it. Like you you're writing the book you want to write. Yeah. And you so there's this great my favorite piece of writing advice is basically to write um like your parents are never going to read it. You know, like you yeah, and you really yeah. have to do that. And I and I do struggle with that. Like after I'm like once it's out you're like oh fuck I wrote all that stuff in the book and everyone's gonna <laughs> yeah. read it. Do you ever do
1: like a, a public reading?
4: not of those parts you oh, <laughs> we'll stick those and then
2: you know what happened
4: maybe she can bring you in for yes. those parts guest yeah.
1: Speaker
2: this is my friend Shane he'll be reading the more salacious sections yeah
4: um yeah so i don't know so those parts and like even like my cousins were like are you gonna like let grandpa read the book and i'm like i don't know like i i just that is a bit awkward but Uh uh, whatever but But also people
5: are more adult than you kind of give them credit for a lot of the time you're like oh you know
4: i totally believe that Uh and like it doesn't i don't i have like zero issue with like i just it's like yeah it doesn't it's fine it's really just my parents <laughs> it's really just you know
5: but also there's you know they, they must be so proud of the success they it's, are, it's yeah. like literally like a one in 100 million kind of success story it's so incredible Thanks. thank you and it's amazing yeah. to know that you just wrote it around the corner and you're just like yeah. Oh, yeah, the book felt so familiar i know you intentionally didn't mention toronto by name it feels mm. very toronto um was it sort of intentional to so like let's make it sort of uh, could be any place in North America that has like a good city center.
4: Totally. Yeah. yeah I feel like I, t- in both the books, I pictured this neighborhood, like this yeah. neighborhood. And I think I'll always do that probably just cause mm. I just like to write about the places that you know the yeah. best. Right. But I didn't name it. Um, only because I think as a reader, I, if I, if I'm reading about a place that's like, say someone said a book that's like in Philadelphia and I've never been to Philadelphia or I have no connection to Philadelphia, mm-hmm. I'm just less mm-hmm. connected. I, that's, Personally, I just feel that way. And so I wanted to leave it a little vague so that people could sort of picture somewhere that meant something to them or that they could feel. Yeah. Nice.
2: Hmm. Well, my question is, on the next book, will you come back again and be oh, on the
4: podcast? I would love to. All right. Thank you. I'll we'll w- just come hang out. Yeah. Well, is this, this the, the best pod yeah. you've ever done? Honestly, uh-uh, this was pretty good. This <laughs> yeah. might be number one. And I, yes. I do want to say thank you for reading it, because I feel like, Shane, I know you're not a reader. Thank you for reading <laughs> I it. I <am> <laughs> <laughs> <But> never again. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I feel like, I was saying this to Max, that um, it, it obviously is like very marketed towards women or sort mm-hmm. of packaged towards women. And um, I was so lucky to get like a New York Times review for this book, and the reviewer has Said um, that this is a book that men should read, that like all men should read, and that was really meaningful to me. And it, it is meaningful to me that you guys would just put so much, just be so thoughtful about reading and speaking about this book. So thank you, I it's, appreciate it.
2: It's a fantastic. Thank you for writing it because mm-hmm. it's fantastic. And I, would mm-hmm. said on the pod that hasn't come out yet, but like I'd snuck away to an edit bay at the office to like finish it. You know, it's Aww. just one of those books, and it was, it was, it, yeah, it was, it was great to to, to read. So thank you for writing it. Thank you for coming on this podcast. She
5: bicycled down to the house. Where,
4: yeah. where are you going after this? I'm I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where i Yeah, I have the
2: whole afternoon off. I don't
3: yeah, know. It's Let's a see. beautiful day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just cuts you two going for a walk. <laughs> She's <Should laughs> watching. Yep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, thank you so much. Okay, yeah. thanks again. Right, so that's it. That's all. That's our episode. Thank you so much, Nathan Ash. Thank you so much, uh, Manager Ash. Uh, this is a, a great hang. Maybe the best.